passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. For top quality floors at rock bottom prices, come to Floor and Decor. You're getting an incredible product for an amazing price, and that's hard to beat. Hardwoods, laminates, tile, or stone. Holy smokes, this place is huge. I'm on a budget, and I was able to go to Floor and Decor and save a lot of money. You will be blown away by this experience. The pros come here, I come here. If you love your wallet and you love your home, you have to go to Floor and Decor. Floor and Decor. For a store near you, visit floorandecor.com. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now your co-host, MC Money, serving the creepy soccer dad and Houts MD. Hello everybody and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is MC Money joined by serving the creepy soccer dad and Houts MD. And the Miami Dolphins coming off a nice opening day victory against the Tennessee Titans, 27-20. The longest game in NFL history as a result of two separate delays due to lightning in the area. The official game time, seven hours, eight minutes. And again, that marks the longest game in NFL history since the merger in 1970, per the Elias Sports Bureau. The previous longest game in league history was a 2013 Bears-Ravens matchup in Chicago that lasted five hours and 16 minutes. This seven-hour time obviously crushing this previous record. Uh, I don't think, folks, that we will ever see a game this long uh, while we are alive again. And me being a Dolphins fan for 20-something years now, and you two being Dolphins fans for many decades, and all of you out there being Dolphins fans for however long you've been, I can never remember a time where this came into play. And being being as volatile as South Florida weather is, uh, it's, it's crazy that it hasn't happened before. I don't know if the NFL is just being more cautious these days or where what, but it was peculiar. It was strange. It was weird. Uh, we started the game at 1 o'clock. We go right before halftime. The delay comes in. It's sitting there for two hours. Game resumes around 345 when the game should have been just been wrapping up. 
And then all of a sudden it goes into another delay shortly thereafter. And then another hour or so passes by that game resumed at six 30. Then your only game on TV before Sunday night football, it was just an odd Sunday. And that's why this podcast is coming to you now night and Tuesday morning and, and leading up to the Jets game is because we had originally planned to do these podcasts, these recap podcasts right after the game an hour or so afterwards. So you can w- listen to it before Sunday night football. Obviously yesterday's game, I don't think anybody was in the mood to listen to any Dolphins podcast or anything. They just wanted to get their life back, get their life back together. And now here we are today. And so, and how, how did you keep yourself occupied with yesterday's delay? Man, what a strange game to, to get through. Uh, luckily, I have four kids, so they occupied most of my time. But, you know, it got to be got to be to a point. It's like, should I take a nap right now? So I I don't know, man. Like I, I ended up probably drinking too much beer because that's all I could do to fill the time hanging out with the kids. So um, other than that, uh, it was just such a mentally draining game that I just wanted to go to bed afterwards. Yeah, I was at work. I mean, I rushed home. I was excited to watch this game, and then we all saw what happened. You know, the game just took forever. It was like pulling teeth. You wait nine months to see the Dolphins play football, uh, and when they do, it ends up being a seven-hour game. So, I mean, it it sucked. It was nice that the Dolphins ended up winning because I don't know about you guys, but as soon as this game, you know, went to the first intermission, the Dolphins, they were moving the ball pretty well. I thought maybe this is the only thing that's going to stop them. There's no way they're going to come back out and look the same. Uh, They came back out for a brief moment, went back in, I mean, and then another delay. So uh, I just kept saying, this is the Dolphins. This is something that happens to them. It's like the world's against us. And I just didn't know that the Dolphins were going to come out. They were going to maintain their composure and just continue to, you know, dominate the way they did. Having Blaine Gabbard in the game really helped. But ultimately, like Sutton, I drank lots of beer in between those intermissions. And that's what got me through the game. I was drinking beer, as you guys all know. I think I would have been passed out uh, drunk on the sofa after my third one. Because apparently that's just how I roll, right? Yeah. You would have been in a body bag like uh, Taylor Lewan if you would have drank another beer. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some plays of the game here. Minka Fitzpatrick, what a strong debut for him, right? Uh, you saw in the early goings of the game in the first quarter, he had an opportunity to really stop uh, Marcus Mariota and stop the Titans drive. He ended up scrambling for seven yards on the left end while they were driving on their second uh, drive of the game, he had a chance to stop him in the backfield, but that didn't happen. He ended up going, going further, but on fourth down on the Miami three yard line, Marcus Marietta threw a short pass to Corey Davis to the Miami two yard line for one yard. And none other than Minka Fitzpatrick was there to stop him. If you listen to Minka Fitzpatrick after the game, it was funny, Uh, not funny, but it just shows his preparation and shows how much time he put into studying these Titans and on all their tendencies. And although he did say, you know, that it was something that a lot of NFL play, players and teams do. He, he mentioned that, you know, it was a, it was a pick play and that he was looking um, for that pick play. And then he saw it and recognized it and, and they stopped it. And this is what he said. They were three in a bunch. And one of the plays they run is that pick play where they take number one, try and pick the nickel, which I was playing and take number three and send him to the flat. And I just had to fight through the block and just make the tackle. And then the reporter asked, is that something you saw in film study? And he says, they don't run that a whole lot, but it's a combo route that teams run down there. It's a good play, especially in his own coverage. They pick one guy's own coverage or man coverage. They pick one guy in the flat that is wide open. And if you watched a replay on this, you could see that they do try to pick, you know, the guys and Minka avoids that and makes this tackle. And if the Titans had scored right there, had scored that touchdown, 
they would have went up and the, and the score would have been uh, 10 to zero. Instead, it was three to zero. And who knows how the game would have played out. But Sutton, your thoughts on, you know, that play with Mika Fitzpatrick. Yeah, targeted six times in the game. This is one of them. And uh, like you said earlier in the drive, you saw the dejection in his body language when he missed that tackle on Marcus Mariota and allowed him to get that first down. So I think that was my son, Isaac. He said, hi, Matthew. I don't know if everybody else heard that. But uh, Minka was able to get outside of that rub route combination that they had. And it's common in the NFL to see those type of route combinations. So the fact that he was, um, he got caught up on it a little bit, but the fact that he has athleticism to get back outside and get his body square in a position to drive um, the receiver back, because it was, I looked at that play again before we, when we went on the air and it was a pretty good throw. I mean, he was, he had the ball going forward momentum. So the fact that Minka got out there and was able to get leverage, that was pretty impressive. Minka Fitzpatrick, six total tackles throughout the game, three solo, three assists, making his NFL debut, played 64% of the snaps on defense, 54% of the snaps on special teams. Another play that was going on there and how it's Rashad Jones is interception he made a great play, another guy on defense. But first, let's talk about, you know, the the leading up to that point. You know, Marcus Mariota is driving down the field again, right? And and Marcus Mariota, when he was in the game, was was doing a pretty good job. And not fortunately, but fortunately, he got injured. And Rashad Jones with the amazing interception there uh, before returning it. And then, of course, you know, shortly thereafter, the Dolphins and the Titans went into another weather delay. But for you, uh, Houts, I know you posted this and posted, I think, the video of it on Twitter. What were you looking at? Just how good was that interception by Rashad Jones? It was a pass deep left intended for Sharp. Um, Jones intercepted it to Miami 39 and then returned it for 26 yards, and that was when Taylor Luan got knocked out unconscious and that whole brouhaha started. But for you, Houts, you know, what, what was that for you? Uh, you mentioned how it was an impressive play. I think the one he had later in the game where his body was going one way and he kind of fell to the ground and made a pick was probably the more impressive of the two. But you're right. I mean, Rashad Jones, he completely reads Mariota's eyes. Mariota throws in a pretty bad ball there to Sharp on the outside. And Rashad Jones just makes a heck of a play on the football. I mean, this is a guy who I think we can all agree is one of the best safeties in the NFL. He can do everything, drop down, take on the run, as you can see, playing coverage. So for me, I mean, this is just Rashad Jones being Rashad Jones. It was a bad pass from Mariota. Heck of a grab by Rashad Jones. Uh, definitely a turning point in this game, in my opinion. And then, like you said, at Taylor Lewan at the end of that, uh, some people might say it was a dirty hit. I understand by the rules it may have been, but I think Andre Branch, you know, he did what he had to do and laid out a guy. So uh, it is what it is. I don't wish injury upon anyone, but based on everything I've heard, Taylor Lewan is a dirty player. So Frondre Branch should leave that hit there. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm sitting at home. I got goosebumps. I got a few beers. I mean, I'm kind of ready to run through a wall after I see that. Just the way the fans, the the team in general, they just seem like it got them real hyped up. So, I mean, you look at the Rashad Jones pick, that was huge. And you look at that hit, I mean, as much as you want to say, you know, it, was, it might have been dirty, whatever it may be, uh, it kind of seemed to rejuvenate the team, even though we kind of led into another weather delay, like you said. Uh, Jones with two interceptions. It was the first multi-interception game of his career. And ironically, leading up to the game, he had told reporters that he wanted to always have a two-interception game. And here you had it versus the Tennessee Titans. 
It gives him 20 career interceptions. He played, I think it was 91% of the snaps on defense and seven total tackles combined. How uh, Sutton, before we get into you, I just want to say hello to your son. Um, for all those listening, you may hear some noises in the background. This is not our normal recording time. We usually record when all the kids are in bed, whenever the family is sleeping and everyone's away. But because of the oddity of the Dolphins game yesterday and then the urge to get this out to you before Monday Night Football begins, and so you can listen to it, this 20-minute show, uh, that is what you are hearing in the background. So certain, uh, your son, he's the best. Well, hold on. He, I, I was going to ask him a question real quick. Hey, Isaac, how many points did Miami score on Sunday? Nice. See, he knows his stuff. Isaac's a smart guy. <laughs> um, but let's, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we were going to get to that Kiko play, weren't we? Yeah, let's let's get to Kiko. So this was coming right after. So Dolphins are driving down the field. Uh, you got Mike Gazicki lined up against Malcolm Butler, one on one in the end zone. Uh, the ball slips out of Ryan Tannehill's hand. At least that's what Adam Gase said happened. A very flat pass. Uh, shouldn't have thrown that pass or should have done a better job, but if it slipped out of his hands, not much he could do about it. Uh, intercepted, and uh, Butler starts running it back. Luckily, Tannehill, and if you saw this, Tannehill made him change his direction. He ended up slipping up. If Tannehill does not make him change that direction, that's a pick six. And these are the little things of the game that you don't always see and don't pay attention to. But anyways, Butler goes down, and then the game's suspended due to a lightning strike. Two hours, two-minute lightning delay. Titans come right back out. Short screen pass intended for Deion Lewis. Intercepted by Kiko Alonso to Tennessee 29. Gets one yard on the return. The Dolphins drive in there. Uh, don't get very far. They get to about the uh, six-yard line, and then they just kind of stumble there. Frank Gore on third on third down and two gets a negative three-yard loss, and then Jason Sanders kicks it in for 27 yards, three points. Miami takes the 10-3 lead. But I thought that was a defining moment in the game. Certain uh, Kiko Alonso stopping the momentum again after the lightning delay. Yeah, just a smart football play from him. And, you know, it's never been the case where uh, we've said that he's not good at diagnosing plays that happen in front of him. I think he's actually pretty good, and that's where his strong suit is, is going more towards the line of scrimmage and and reading plays that way. It's when the plays are developing behind him that kind of scare us. So this play was a screenplay that was kind of got off a little bit out of sync for Tennessee. Kiko read it uh, very well. The ball just seemed to like pop off the shoulder pad of Deion Lewis. Kiko was right there. Then you're in a tip drill situation. Kiko comes up with a play. And like you said, just a huge momentum switch uh, for us to get that ball right back and get our offense back in position. Would have liked to capitalize with the touchdown there. I believe we ended up getting a field goal on that drive. Uh, but the fact that we were able to get that ball back and get some points on the board, that was a huge part of the game. Definitely was, and the Dolphins uh, took that lead and continued with that lead throughout the rest of the game. Another play there, and this is what we're going to be doing, boys and girls, as we recap these games. We're going to be picking out the five plays that we thought stood out the most and just kind of breaking them down for you and moving forward. The next one is the touchdown by Jakeem Grant, the kickoff three yards. The dude was not even touched. Uh, He just took it. He ran it out, went right through the tacklers, ran up the field. Nobody was even close to him. And I think when he burst through that first hole, guys, I knew he was gone. Uh, he got a little hairy, not hairy, but but you started seeing the guys closing in. And then Grant put on that second gear. So suck up kicks at 67 yards after Tennessee ties at 10 to 10. Everyone's like, oh my God, okay, Dolphins, are they going to uh, 
you know, fail like always, uh, choke like always. And then Jakeem Grant says no, because this was the fourth quarter. Jakeem Grant gets the ball in his hands. Miami goes up 17 to 10. However, shortly thereafter, and we're going to come back to the Kenny Stills touchdown. I just want to do the two kickoff returns first. So Ryan Tannehill then throws a deep pass to Kenny Stills for 75 yards. And Sutton, you're going to talk about that after House talks about this. But after that pass to Kenny Stills, House, then Sanders kicks it 59 yards uh, from the Miami 35s at a Tennessee 6. And Jennings runs it in 94 yards for a touchdown. So two things, House. One, the sequence of touchdown returns, right? But two, it was a very weird strategy, I thought. And, and everyone, when Jason Sanders was drafted, harped on the fact that he had a very strong leg and that he was going to be kicking this ball out of the end zone on every kickoff. But we didn't see that a lot on Sunday. And so I'm a little confused. If you have a strong leg, kick it out. Yes, you may pin them deep, but chances are you're either going to get close to the 25 or something bad like this is going to happen. So, House, what are your thoughts on that whole sequence in special teams? Well, I'll start with the good. Jakeem Grant, he's a guy that we all know is probably the fastest player on the roster. He's a guy who he's done this before, and he's a guy who every time he touches a football can break loose. So, uh, I mean, we kind of saw it throughout the game. I don't know about you guys, but every time he touched a football on a return, I just kind of thought maybe there was that chance he'd break it. Again, this is a Dolphins. You don't really think it was going to happen, and then he does. And like you said, I think suck up the kicker was the closest to even touching Grant, and he just blew through that hole, and then suck up came running over from the side, and he just outran him, outran the entire – uh, special teams unit. So, I mean, Jakeem Grant, we're going to see that. I think it was the second longest return in Dolphins history, 102 yards. So this is something that we're going to see often, and we hope to see more this season. Uh, as for special teams, Jason Sanders, like you said, he guy who everyone continued to hype up his leg strength, didn't quite see it in this game. I don't think he had a touchback. I'd, you have to go back and look at the stats. I'm not quite sure, but I don't really think that he reached the back of the end zone if – Tennessee took a knee that would be a surprise to me so he's a guy who has this long le strong leg we continue to hear about it but you don't see it uh, it was a bad kick there Jennings took it to the house uh, but all game long it seemed like the special teams particularly the coverage unit just seemed to struggle they didn't quite get down the field didn't quite make those plays that you'd want to see and in a moment like this when you know the Jakeem Grant just ran one back Kenny Stills just had a touchdown you're feeling pretty good and then to come right back immediately and have this this what was a 98 yard kickoff return it kind of depleted things kind of made you think okay same dolphin something bad's gonna happen here um so for me i, I was ecstatic about jakeem grant something that we're going to keep seeing but the coverage unit needs to get a lot better if the dolphins want to continue to win games late in the season you are right that was the uh second longest kickoff return in dolphins history mercury Mer M morris 105 yards 914 at 1969 at cincinnati Bengals. jakeem grant's 102 kickoff return was the first kickoff return for a touchdown of his career and the second longest kickoff return, as I just mentioned in franchise history, it was also the first, the Dolphins' first kickoff return for a score since Kenyon Drake ran one back 96 yards against the Jets on November 6, 2016. Jakeem Grant's also playing the role of receiver, seven targets, five receptions, 38 yards, 7.6 yards per reception, along of 13, playing roughly 40% of the snaps on offense. And now let's get back to that Kenny Stills touchdown. Dolphins are up 17 to 10 Titans uh, Blaine Gabbert in there after the injury to Mariota uh, earlier in the game, they punted away Miami Dolphins first and 10 up the middle runs it for four yards, second and six pass incomplete short to stills third and six pass short left to Drake ran out of bounds for 10 yards. First and 10 Miami's own 25 Ryan Tannehill deep pass to Kenny stills for 75 yards. Sutton. It was a second touchdown of the game. 
It was a thing of beauty. Tannehill stood back there in the pocket, launched it, hit Kenny Stills in stride. It was beautiful. As soon as Kenny Stills caught that, we all knew that was a touchdown. Yeah, you know, people who don't think he can throw the deep ball, I just hope that they remember this play because that's exactly what happened here. It was a good route by Kenny, but there was good coverage by Malcolm Butler, I thought. I mean, he was right there, and the ball just dropped right over Stills' shoulder, and and Stills was able to break that tackle and get into the end zone. Uh, just a just a gorgeous pass. I mean, it is what it is. Let's not over uh, complicate what we saw there. It was just a gorgeous throw on time. the The protection was there, and you see what Tannehill can do. Um, it, it was good. It was good to see because I think one of the things we feared a little bit was not being able to push the ball down the field. Yeah, we have the speed guys, but that's all we have. So, were we going to be able to get deep? Uh, knowing that's the only thing they can beat us with. We're not going to be able to beat them with jump balls uh, with the the receivers that we had. But you saw a great short passing game, and you saw us be able to get the ball vertically. Uh, Great things to see on the opening game for this offense. Kenny Stills playing 95% of the snaps for the Miami Dolphins. On offense, his ending line was five targets, four receptions, 106 yards, 26.5 yards per reception. Of course, the long of 75 and two touchdowns. That touchdown, well, a first touchdown pass, I should say, capped off a 98-yard drive mark in the third longest scoring drive in team history and the longest since September 24th, 1989. So this was Stills' third multi-score game of his career, with the last coming back in 2017 against the Jets on October 22nd. His 106 receiving yards on the day, fourth most in his career, and marked the sixth time he has surpassed 100 receiving yards in a game. The chemistry between Tannehill and Stills is out of this world. We all talked about it this offseason. We all saw it before Tannehill went down with the injury a few years back, and I think that connection is just going to keep continuing to get better and better and better. Evan Silva of Roto World tweeted last night, Sunday night, saying that there's Bill Parcells used to call certain players progress stoppers, and that means they would prevent other people from getting their potential. And he said Jarvis Landry was Kenny Stills' progress stopper. And I think that's accurate. Uh, I don't know the relationship between Landry and Stills, but I know they weren't best friends off the field. Obviously you get along with your coworkers, but you're not always best friends. And I know I could say that for a fact back to Tannehill made his first start in a regular season game since December 11th, 2016 went 20 of 28 for 230 yards with two touchdowns and two interceptions. That 70 yard pass to Stills was his second longest of his career behind an 80 yard touchdown past the heart line on September 30th, 2012 27-20 may not have been pretty the entire game Dolphins fought through a lot of adversity but Sutton and House the Dolphins are 1-0 and they head into the Jets next week in New York the Jets are coming off a short week playing Monday Night Football against the Detroit Lions we'll see what Sam Darnold's all about but we are looking good Wednesday morning we'll have a, a preview show of the Jets and everything that you can expect if you listen to Finsider Radio leading up to the Titans game everything that we said basically came true. Sutton House, any last thoughts on the Titans game? Yeah, I thought, you know, coming into the season that establishing a run game, have some balance on offense, and really utilize the play-action passing game was a good scheme uh, concept for us. 
you saw how that transpired. I thought, you know, that, that Kenny Stills bomb was a play action pass. So I thought the play action passing was there and I was glad to see the tempo there. It looked like it was comfortable. It wasn't forced. So I thought there was some details to, to the dolphins that really have me thinking that um, they have their together this year. Yeah, the optimists in us, you know, we all thought the Dolphins, you know, they might win nine, ten games this year. They come out right out of the gate. They win one, and, you know, as ugly as it may have been, you named off all the different historical things that happened. You got the 102-yard touchdown run, the longest game in NFL history, whatever it may be. I mean, the Dolphins won a game that many didn't think they would, that given all the circumstances, maybe they wouldn't have in the past. So it was just great to see the team gel. You saw Ryan Tannehill go out there. He didn't look like he lost a step, even though that – faded just sick he, you know he fell down pretty bad throw either way I think Tannehill admitted that but overall the offense looked seemed to click run game we saw Drake and Gore both get involved you saw Albert Wilson in the backfield he looked to pitch at one point so this team looks like they're having fun it looks like a both on offense and defense uh they got their stuff together you saw improvement in the run game that or run defense that was something that we thought may be an issue against Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry Derrick Henry seemed like he was a uh, non-threat at all. Deion Lewis did some work in the past game uh, on the ground, but overall this defense seems improved. The offense with their quarterback back is improved, and the 2018 Dolphins seem to be more improved than, you know, all those experts. Worst team in the NFL, there's no chance. Um, glad we won. Glad we got out of that game with a victory. Now let's travel up to the Dirty Jersey and hope they can beat the division rival Jets. Obviously, always things to clean up after any game, no matter what team you are. The Dolphins are 1-0, though, and that's all that really counts at the end of the day. We can say you could point to the 4-2 start from the Dolphins last year and Jay Cutler, and yes, that is absolutely true. But the Dolphins got very lucky in those games, especially against the San Diego Chargers last year where they should have lost, sorry, Los Angeles Chargers. But, of course, that missed field goal by their rookie kicker allowed the Dolphins to have life and win the game. This week versus the Titans, it was a lot of uh, domination, let's say, on certain parts of the game, but it was more execution and fighting through adversity, which is what you want to see because that stuff is sustainable. Luck is not. That's going to do it for us on Finsider Radio for this recap show against the Tennessee Titans. Tune in Wednesday morning for a preview game against the New York Jets. We're going to break down everything that you need to know leading into that game and what you can expect to see as the Dolphins travel to New Jersey and MetLife Stadium. For certain, the creepy soccer dad and Houts MD, I am MC Money. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number Cause we're the Miami Dolphins.
floors at rock bottom prices, come to Floor & Decor. You're getting an incredible product for an amazing price, and that's hard to beat. Hardwoods, laminates, tile, or stone. Holy smokes, this place is huge. I'm on a budget, and I was able to go to Floor & Decor and save a lot of money. You will be blown away by this experience. The pros come here, I come here. If you love your wallet and you love your home, you have to go to Floor & Decor. Floor & Decor. For a store near you, visit floorandecor.com. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech, why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.